In the summer of 2002, I had the opportunity to travel to Rome with Dr. Edward Sri, who is one of our theology professors at Benedictine College, as I was a student there. And one of the basilicas that we were able to uh, get to visit while we were in Rome, which is there's the four major basilicas, this is more of one of the minor basilicas in Rome, was the Basilica of St. Clement. Now, the wonderful thing, what I loved about this basilica is the fact that you can go down underneath the basilica and you can see um, the church church that you see that is visible above ground was built around the 11th century. You go down underneath and there's a church that was built about the 6th century. And below that, you can actually enter into the house church that existed uh, when the people were still in hiding and they were having mass kind of privately and in secret during that time. So you go down each level and see a different century in which they had mass. It's a, it's a phenomenal place to see. There's, of course, beautiful frescoes. Uh, there's beautiful mosaics. There's beautiful marble work done uh, throughout this church. But up in the apse, which is the apse is the circular part up above the altar in the church, there's this fantastic mosaic that actually portrays the gospel that we had read, read here this morning. What this mosaic portrays is that in the very center is a scene of the crucifixion. There is Jesus on the cross, of course. There's Mary and there's Joseph, or excuse me, and there's uh, St. John, uh, who were there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. At the base of the, at the base of the crucifix, then is the four rivers that we hear about uh, that flow through the Garden of Eden. The four rivers that flow out and it has a representation of those four rivers, which are the rivers of life. And when we think about the Garden of Eden, it is paradise. And so paradise for us passes through those rivers and the fruits of that come from the crucifixion. Along the riverbanks of those four rivers flowing out from the crucifixion then are these huge vines. These vines that cover the entirety of the rest of the mosaic. They kind of go out and they circle around three or four times and in the center of that circle was, is maybe a basket of bread or a jar of wine or a basket of fish. And each of those is overflowing. They have an abundance that is coming out of them. And this entire scene is a representation that the vine stems from Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. And everything and everyone who lives in Christ goes through the crucifixion. And as they go through the crucifixion, we also recognize that we also have the resurrection. And we are attached to the vine. We are the branches attached to that vine. And when we are attached to that vine, we are called to, bu- to bring forth abundant fruit. At the base of this mosaic is, a, is 12 sheep, 13 actually. There's a, the one that represents Christ, the lamb who is to be slain, and 12 others representing the 12 apostles who are the ones who bring forth the church, who one, the ones who bring what Christ taught into the world and pass that down to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. But it's this beautiful mosaic representing what we are called to be, to be completely attached to the vine, attached to the vine so that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly, as John says elsewhere in his gospel.
So how do we exactly stay attached to this vine? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we get what the early church saw as the four pillars of Christianity, the four pillars of Catholicism. There was no difference in, in denominations back then. There's only one. And the one true church that Jesus founded. We have to remember that. Jesus founded one church. And so this one church that Jesus founded was based upon the four pillars of the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. That's what Acts 2.42 says is the foundation of the church, the church that Jesus founded. The apostles' teaching is that which is passed down not only in the scriptures. Remember, the scriptures first were passed down orally because they hadn't written them down yet. And so the stories of Christ and his three years walk and his three years of ministry were passed down orally until the gospel writers wrote it down. And so it was passed down through them. And so we have the traditions that are passed down, the, the oral ones, but also the dogmatic ones that are written down that we can read about in the catechism. And we have the scriptures that are given to us. These are the apostles' teaching and the magisterium that helps us to understand what these are meant to say to us and how they inform our life. And we still have those today. Scriptures, the, the, the tradition and the magisterium are the basis of all of our teachings and all of, our, uh, of, all of, uh, all of what we believe as Catholics. Then the fellowship is the coming together and, uh, of the community. The recognition that even in the early church that we couldn't walk this faith alone. That we actually need to go arm in arm with other, with other Christians. That the pagan world that is coming against us is very difficult to, 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 go about, uh, to go about fighting against on our own power. And so we join with other Christians in order to take each step forward against a culture that is contrary to the Christian life. And so we see that even in our lives today, that living in the world in which we live, we see that there are many things that our culture is proposing that are contrary to what we believe as Christians, that are contrary to the scriptures, contrary to the traditions, contrary to the magisterium. And so we must band together as Catholics to walk this walk together. We can't think that we can do this on our own, but we must come together in, in order to walk through this culture that is contrary to our Catholic faith so we can hold up those pillars as Christ intends for us to do. Thirdly, the breaking of the bread, which is the reception of the sacraments, most specifically in the Eucharist that we celebrate this morning, but also the entryway into the sacraments, the baptism that is the forgiveness of sin and the wiping clean of, of original sin, also, the uh, sacrament of confession, which helps to restore us to that grace of baptism. The sacrament of confirmation, which instills within us the gifts of the Holy Spirit to walk this walk of, ca of Catholicism that we are called to walk. The food that Christ gives to us in the Eucharist to give us the strength to battle against the evils that come against us. Holy orders, which brings us the sacraments, the priesthood, which brings us the sacraments. Matrimony, which gives you a special grace in marriage to help you to live out the vows that you make to one another in that sacrament. And the anointing of the sick that sees us on our final journey into eternal life. It gives us the grace to persevere at the last moments of our life, to persevere into eternal life. The breaking of the bread is those sacraments that we should faithfully receive. 
receive the Eucharist every single Sunday to give us that grace to walk the walk, to receive the sacrament of confession, to have our sins forgiven, to be remain united in Christ through that sacrament, and to receive those regularly. Uh, Eucharist every week on Sundays or Saturday evenings, and confession once a month to continue to remind ourselves to put out that those areas of our life that are not united to Christ, those parts of our life that are not attached to the vine, which they kind of are the branches that need to be pruned off and burned. Because if we don't prune those branches off now, they will be pruned off in purgatory, or our entire life will be thrown into hell, and the whole of us will be burned with fire. And we will be pruned from eternal life. And so we must prune those imperfections, we must prune those mortal sins out of our life now in order to receive the eternal life that Christ wants to give us. Recall that mortal sin is cutting ourselves off from the vine itself. We are not remaining in Christ when we commit mortal sin. We have cut ourselves off. And so we can't receive the grace of God until we enter into that sacrament of confession. And finally, the prayers. It is good for us to have a regular prayer life. If we only pray on Sundays, if we only go to Mass and that's the only time we pray during the entirety of the week, it's like having a friend and never speaking to them except a few moments every single week. Or it's like being in a marriage when you never talk to each other except for a few moments once a week. In order to have a relationship and to remain fully in Jesus Christ, as we are instructed to do in our gospel today, we must stay attached. We must remain in constant dialogue with our Lord, in constant conversation with our Lord. And so we must make a plan of prayer for our daily life. And not only to make a plan where we pray our our fathers, our Hail Marys, and the rote prayers that, that are good for us to pray, but actually making time for silence in our life. There's a type of prayer called mental prayer. Mental prayer is this internal dialogue that we have with our God. To meditate upon scripture, to meditate, to meditate upon the writings of the saints. And not just to, not just to read the writings of the saints, just to have information, but to actually slowly read through them. So we can meditate on what they are saying and, and how they live their life in Christ to inform our life in Christ. So we have a better idea of what this is supposed to be. But we ought to spend 15 or 20 minutes in quiet prayer every day in this inner dialogue with our God. Having something to meditate on so that our mind isn't constantly distracted, but it's kind of working through and, and, and uh, working over these teachings that, that we read about in the writings of the saints, or working over and praying through the, uh, a, a scripture passage. And allowing that to work in our mind so that it informs our heart. And when we have this dialogue with our Lord, when we spend this time with our Lord, it begins to prune those branches. Those branches of our life that are not, that are not informed by Christ. And we need to root, root those out. We need to have them pruned be, to be more like Christ as we are called to be. To have our personalities to be in a manner in which others desire to approach so that we can give the gospel. So that we are not just kind of putting people off, but we're inviting them in 
so we can share Christ with them and invite them into being remaining in Christ. This is how we abide. The, the word that we use here in the gospel today, remain, is translated in another uh, translation as abide. To be in Christ, to abide in Christ. We must participate in these four foundations of the Christian life. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. And a prayer life that is life-giving. A prayer life in which we recognize Christ is the center of all that we do and of everything of who we are. And we live out of that relationship with Christ and we bring him into the world to invite others to remain in him.